Welcome to Soul Talk, soulful conversations exploring who you are, why you're here, and how to live your most authentic life. My name is Coop Blackson, nationally best-selling author of You Are The One, transformational teacher, and your host. I invite you to subscribe to the Soul Talk podcast for weekly inspiration from me, where I will share with you some powerful ideas, thoughts, and practical life wisdom to help you live life more fully, freeing yourself from your past, reclaiming your power, and living your true life's purpose. You can also go to www.coopblackson.com, enter your name and email to download my free two-part video training series and learn the ultimate secrets to happiness and fulfillment. Let's get started with Soul Talk. Welcome back, folks. Welcome back to another very special episode of the Soul Talk podcast. I'm very excited about today's guest and today's episode. Since the last time I spoke to him, uh, a little time has passed. Uh, My guest today is a very special human. He's a storyteller, author, scholar of mythology, anthropology, psychology. Uh, His writings have touched me deeply. The first time I heard of him uh, was through his books, Awakening the Soul, The Genius Myth, Fate and Destiny. Uh, And I had the opportunity many years ago to see him speak. And the way he told stories were so insightful and hypnotic and deep and spellbinding that I was so uh, riveted and inspired. And uh, since the first interview, some time has passed, we've been thrown into a pandemic of global proportions and humanity is in a place, as you all know, we're living it, that we've maybe never been in before. And so I'm excited to have him back for a part two to combine with part one to try to make sense of the times that we're going through. And so welcome to back to Soul Talk, Michael Mead. Welcome. Really good to be back, back with you. Uh, really excited. Uh, look, since we spoke, a lot's happened. <laughs> a lot's yeah. been happening. <laughs> Things we didn't expect. Yeah. And uh, from your perspective, I want to just jump right in and give us some you know, as you're watching things unfold in the world, I would love your insight, your guidance, your perspective in terms of what the hell is going on? What, what, what happened? Okay, there's this thing that's happening, pandemic, COVID, but, but it feels like there's this other process happening and uh, it's been challenging for, for so many of us uh, on planet Earth being human. You know, jobs have lost, people have died. Uh, people's security. I mean, so much has been happening. And so on a human level, on an evolutionary level, what do you, how do we make sense of, of, of what's going on? Truly unusual time to be alive. Um, at the same time as culture is seemingly unraveling, nature is rattling. So we're living in this really intense, multi-layered upheaval of the world. Like you said, on a global basis, on a planetary basis, um, and on a cultural basis and on an individual basis, no one remains untouched. We are all pulled into the maelstrom, into the upheaval. So um, to look at it uh, historically, There's not much help there. To look at it in terms of sociology, massive confusion. People can't figure it out. 
So there's an old idea that myth makes the most sense when nothing else makes sense. And so if I look at it mythologically, um, you could say we're at the end of an era um, and that leads us into dark places and into collapse, so to speak. So in mythology, the world can't come to an end. It just comes to an end many times and starts over again. And so, um, so there are what's called recreation myths, not just creation myths, but recreation myths in different cultures about how the world starts over from its own ashes. Hmm. So there's another metaphor. You could say we're in the ashes times. We're in the, in the afterglow of a whole era of modernity and so on. Uh, so that's one way to look at it. Uh, inside that, something I find really helpful is if you take the idea of archetypes and, and archetype, it's a Greek word. Arche means ancient, original, and, and type means type. So ancient or original types or things. And so uh, archetypes would include like the mother archetype, the father archetype, the archetype of death, those kind of things. They're all the general things that universal things that everybody experiences. Well, there's two more archetypes at play here. And one, the Greek word for it is apocalypsis. The common idea is apocalypse. But apocalypse doesn't mean the fire at the end of the world. Apocalypse has two big meanings. One is the lifting of the veil. And you see what's behind the scenes. And that's happening for sure in all kinds of places. But the other meaning of apocalypse is really collapse. Mm. But... Collapse is the beginning of apocalypse. The collapse and the chaos starts and the confusion and, and all of that. But it really, really aims at another Greek word called apokastasis, which is the remaking of the structure of things. The, uh, so the, that's one archetype that's in play. We are, we are living in the collapse of the known world. Mm. And what people call the world is already gone. The, the world that everybody knew, it's actually gone. People can remember it, but they can't go back to it. Um, so then the other archetype at play is the archetype of creation. And so it's not as if it completely collapses and then starts over. The collapse and the renewal are happening at the same time. And that's important because it, it gives us the sense that we are witnesses to the collapse and we're feeling it. Mm. Um, but... At the same time, we can find ways where new things are being created and we can find ways where we can get involved in the creation of new things. I, and I want to add one other thing that just really repeats what you said in yeah. a different way. We are in a cascade of crises. Mm. Uh, climate crisis is the biggest one. It infects the entire planet and everyone on it. No one can hide from it. And we mm -hmm. see it with the floods. We see it with the, the, the fires in one place, the floods in another place, uh, the droughts, all of that kind of thing. And that's going to go on for quite a while. The next level of the, of the crisis is the pandemic, the COVID pandemic, which affects everyone in the world also, but on a human level. Um, and then you get... You, you go down from there and you have the crisis of uh, the cultural crises of, um, oh, 
imbalance, misogyny, injustice, all of that is accentuated, heated up. Uh, and then that leads you to the crisis inside people where people don't know from one day to the next what's going on. How should I think about this? What do I do? We can't make a plan for education, much less a plan for the future. And, and we're living through that. And the archetypal explanation is apocalypse, mm -hmm. apocalypse, disorder, upheaval, uncertainty, um, revelations that you didn't want. Yeah. Um, and, and but the other part has to be understood to be there also recreation and renewal, just the way a forest and a forest of big trees fall down and they rot into the earth and they give birth to new trees. Nature shows us how it works. Now, this might sound like a very simple question. So forgive me, <laughs> but I guess my, my, the question that pops up is, well, what, why does it have to happen this way? Is there a reason it has to happen this way? Yeah. Could it not happen, you know, more pleasurably, more <laughs> easily? Like, why does it have to? I mean, the upheaval in the last year has been, I mean, you know, it's been intense. It's been brutal. It's been yeah. devastating. And so. Deadly. Why? Why does it? it is there a deeper purpose as to why it happens this way and not just gently and with love and light and smooth and, you know, unicorns and. Well, so yes, no, it's not a simple question because it is, it's a mystery. So, so that's why I go to nature. And so if you, if you watch nature, uh, recreations going on all the time. So the ancient mystery, which is the modern mystery is life, death, renewal, or life, death, rebirth on a human level. And so that's what I was describing in the forest. And so you can stand at a distance and say, oh, yeah, it's kind of charming. The big trees fall down and then little ones come up. But if you actually get to the part where it's rotting, it's not so charming. And inside the rotting, there's all kinds of, uh, you know, insects and, 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 and there's collapse going on and, and, and it's dark in there where it's rotting. And mm. so that's the mystery of the world, according to mythology, life, death, renewal. And we happen to be living at a time where the darkness or the death or the ashes or the rotting is happening. And we could have been born at a time when, when there wasn't climate crisis at this level and people were building cathedrals and mosques and temples and everything was going up. We happen to have come at the time when everything's going down. Right. And it's still part of the same mystery. So what phase, where are we at in the, the apocalyptic process? What, like you said, the beginning It's like, Oh my God, if we're just at the beginning, <laughs> how much longer do we have to go? Like, is, is there yeah. a stage that we're at to give us some sense of how to navigate? Well, I don't think, we're not at the very beginning. I'll tell you the truth, I've been talking about this for 20 years. Okay. But I used to call it the slow apocalypse. It's no longer slow. So we're pretty, we're into now where it's very fast moving. 
is very fast moving. Everything that's happening is happening fast. You know, we just thought you could take the masks off because things were getting more, you know, control on the virus. And then, boom, within weeks, it turns completely around and all the plans are out the window again. So rapidity of change is part of what's going on. Um, so I think I don't know how to calculate whether we're 20 percent in or 30 percent in. I don't know. So what I do is switch to another way of looking at it. And so the other way of looking at it for me is we're in a collective rite of passage. And now individual rite of passage, many people know something about that, but we're in a rite of passage where everyone's in it. So I call it the threshold of change. We're on this threshold that is enormous, enormous in terms of space and time. And to me, all humans are on the threshold. Some of them are looking back on the threshold and, and not wanting to, to accept what's happening. And others are looking forward, trying to figure out what to do, but we're all involved on that threshold. And so the first part of the rite of passage is separation, um, separating from everything we knew or thought we knew, separating from all the patterns that were dependable, separating from being able to trust institutions because they don't work as well now. They're too slow. They can't keep up with the changes. So separation going on like crazy. And then when you look into the pandemic, into the in COVID, uh, you have literal social distancing. You have separation required. So that tells me we're in the separation uh, stage. The second stage is the stage of deeper ordeals, which involves both opening of wounds and experiencing wounds, but also healing, mm -hmm. second stage. And then the third stage, which we're not even close to, is when everything returns and people remake their community, having gone through darkness, having felt the wounds and having done some healing, then we get to come back together with a renewed sense of human community. So that's, so I, I lay it out that way more than yes, yes. A, time. a time pattern, because we so, can't figure the time. So really we're in that stage of separating from the old, separating from yeah. what we knew, separating from yeah. old ideas, paradigm yeah. stories. Yes. And in a way, climate crisis and COVID crisis are teaching us the same thing. They're both acting the same. You know, the, the, the climate changes happen fast and, and, and you can't keep up, you know, but you, you think you're focused on the fires in California when it starts flooding in New Orleans, you know, and all that. And then you're focused on that when it starts to be trouble in Afghanistan. And while you're trying to digest that, you know, that's the chaos. That's the yeah. chaos. So what as, as, as human beings, um, you know, what do we do in the midst of that chaos in terms of, you know, there's many folks I've spoken to who feel just exasperated. They're yeah. exhausted. There's yeah. like, you know, I had a friend who's so profound and deep and she's like, I just want to give up. I just yeah. want to like, like. Life is just exhausting. I just want to give up this. I'm so yeah. tired of, of all yeah. of this that's happening. And, yeah. and so while we're going through this, this rite of passage and this uncertainty and dealing with all these things, like what can we do as individuals? So the idea of giving up despair all makes sense. Despair, yeah, despair, yeah. exactly. But those are emotions, not places. Uh -huh. And so, so I think instead of giving up, 
I think what happens is we go deeper down. And, and I would just trade giving up for letting go. Like we have to let go of the idea that it all makes sense. We have to let go of the idea that there's a plan for the rest of the year. We have mm-hmm. to get let go of the strategic planning. Uh, there's a lot of stuff that has to be let go of in order to begin to navigate the confusion of now. Um, and so besides separation, the beginning stages of rite of passage involves descent, mm. going down. Uh, we already you know, kind of agreed that this is a period where things aren't building up, things are collapsing down. Well, they say if you're in a river and you're starting to go under and you're drowning, the more you try to get to the top, the further down you go. If you let go, then there's a current that takes you down and brings you back up. We have to take the current going down. Now, big problem for most modern people, they think if they go down inside themselves, there's nothing there. That's the modern idea that we're empty inside. But the old idea is when you go down, you find the deep soul or the deep self. People use both both words. I like soul because it has water in it and it has feeling in it. And so the idea is our little self, our ego self is completely overwhelmed. Yes. You can't figure it out. You cannot keep up with it. Okay, let that go. And then in descending, there's a deeper self, a deeper soul that knows why we each came here. So I think what happens is the solution, um, there's no, no committee is going to solve it. A committee mm-hmm. cannot solve these things. There's not going to be a political idea or even a spiritual idea that's going to say, everybody go this way. I think it's the opposite. Everybody goes where their soul tells them to go. And what happens is people find the purpose of their life rather than a career that might be attractive. And when people begin to follow the purpose, follow the meaning of their life, everybody becomes a wounded healer. Everybody becomes able to contribute somehow. Um, So I'm saying that the way through involves getting to the depth of oneself. Um, I mean, in a way, I'm doing it right now. I mean, my calling is mythology, stories. And that's what I'm doing. And, and, and it can kind of work to a degree. It gives more perspectives, more ways to look at it. And as yes. I'm doing it, I, I feel my feet pretty solid on the ground. I mm-hmm. kind of, yeah, this is what I'm supposed to do. Someone else is going to find uh, a different thing, that they're going to be creative in some other way. So remember, the archetype of creativity is activated along with the archetype of ac- apocalyptic collapse. The answer is not going to come from politics. I don't think so. Not that politics can't change and get better. We all hope that happens. Mm -hmm. But as far as what do I do as an individual, what each of us does, we become ourselves in a deeper way. And the way I I wrote a book called Why the World Doesn't End. And, and, uh, And I was going around, you know, doing a book tour, reading whatever, talking from the book. And someone said, well, what if you're wrong? And the world does end. And I said, well, look at it this way. If the world doesn't end, I look smart. If the world does end, there's no one around to tell me I was wrong. So, but the joke is, is, is only a joke on one level. If it's all going to fall apart and it's all going to end, I should be going where my soul wants me to go. 
If it's all going to change and come back, I should be going where my soul wants me to go. We're in those kind of period. You can't fake this thing after a while. That's why people want to give up because our fantasies, you can't see how it's going to work. But the deep soul in each person, I think it's unique in each person. It's meaningful in each person. It's purposeful in each, each person. And so I think we're being called to awaken to the deep self and the deep soul inside us. And that part of us is not overwhelmed and it's not, it's, it's, it's undaunted. Yeah. The soul can move and change with anything. And there's healing in that soulful depth. There's imagination is at the root of the soul. And so I think we're being pushed out of a surface life <clears throat> into a deep life. How do we, as human beings, um, you know, because you mentioned there's, there's a fantasy sometimes, uh, an idea of who we think we should be or what we like ourselves to be or how we like our life to be. And it feels very real. Uh, for some of us, there's the life we were living pre-pandemic and it's crumbling. And so... Uh, for those that might either feel the old slipping away um, and find themselves resisting the letting go, the resist the, 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 trying to hold on to the way it was or the old relationship. It's like, yeah. no, it can't be. It was great. It was it, but it's going. And how do we, what, what can you suggest in terms of how we can, participate with the letting go. We, how, how can we, how can we surrender? Basically, yeah. what's the process for that surrender? What do we nah. do? Because we can hear the idea. Okay, yeah. let go, let go, go deep, go in. Go. Sounds great. <laughs> but the reality is really the, difficult. Ego, the, the ego wants to, to hold on. And yeah. so how, how, how do we navigate that when we feel like going up? Yeah. No, it's really true. Um, this is a hard thing to accept. And yet, most people have had a dark time in their lives. Yes. Most people have had a failure, a collapse, an illness, a loss of a loved one. And so we're taught that you shouldn't have that. It should be better than that. And we're taught that you shouldn't have feelings of despair and mm -hmm. sorrow and fear and anxiety. But the fact is everybody does have them. And so we've been taught to avoid the disorder that's in our lives anyway. I mean, most people I know have failed and lost a lot. And, and, and most of us have survived darkness. If we're 20 years old or older, we have mm -hmm. survived darkness. And so um, even though it's very difficult, like you say, for the ego and the ego is up every morning before we are, you know, the egos, the egos waiting when we wake up and the ego has its own commitments and its own beliefs. Um, but that stuff's not going to work. And that's really going to become more and more obvious. So I go back to stories. That's what I do. I go back to stories and, uh, and I find images and stories is a great, Native American story about the original people, the first people like our ancestors. And um, they were there right after the earth was made and, uh, and they're doing okay, except that some people start to get sick 
And no one even knows what sickness is. So they don't even know what's going on. So they avoid those people. And those people are beginning to die. And no one even knows what death is because they're the first people. But some of those people in the story, it says four people went out in the evening when the light was draining from the world and everything, everything was becoming dark. And they each stood looking in a different direction into the darkness. And as they stood in the darkness, the one who made the earth, that's what it's called in that story. The one who made the earth spoke directly to them and said, you know, for everything on this earth, that's an illness. There's a cure for every sickness. There's an antidote for every trouble. There's a remedy. That's the nature of this world. And so now those first people had knowledge and they understood what the sick was happening to the sick people. And so every night they went out and looked into the darkness. And each time they went out, someone got more knowledge from the creator, I guess we would call it, but they call it the one who made the earth. Uh, and then after a while, they each had knowledge of themselves and their own gifts and what they had to give, give. And then the one who made the earth told them, now go and give that to everyone and bring everybody together for healing. So simple little story, charming in its own way. But the message is that the knowledge is coming from darkness. The knowledge that we need now is not going to come from the light. The enlightenment is over. Remember the enlightenment? They had that thing going, the enlightenment? Well, we're in the endarkenment now. And so the knowledge is coming from darkness, from the unknown, from the unseen. And so imagine, I know it's challenging. Instead of thinking how it should be, and I wish it was, and I thought it was, and I told everybody it was, and, you know, uh, let go and try to be in the darkness of not knowing. Because... It's like beginner's mind. We have to be at the beginning again. That's a story from the beginning, the original people. We have to be at the beginning again. And, uh, and that allows us to tolerate not knowing. And this idea of looking in the darkness is similar to uh, in the darkness is where we have dreams. So knowledge comes from dreams. Uh, or remembering darkness that we went through before personally and how we survived it. I think you and I have spoken before that when I was not just 20 years old, I was in solitary confinement. Um, and, and I found myself in that darkness. I was all by myself in a little concrete metal cell for months. And that's where I found myself. I didn't find myself on the streets. I didn't find myself in school or in church. I found myself in that darkness. So that's what it means to go to the soul. And so um, it's interesting. The word despair is from the French, despere. And spare in French means hope. Despair mm -hmm. means you've lost your hope. Everybody's supposed to lose their hope. Most hopes are naive. Like you were saying, I think I should be this way. I wanted to be a basketball player. Anyone <laughs> who looks at me sees that couldn't happen. Not only, not only am I short, my hands are too small. Anyway, so, so, so we all have to give up those hopes. Um, and where, where, where is the line, though, between, let's say, giving up those hopes yeah. and, 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 let's say, giving up, giving up those hopes and, and becoming negative? Like, yeah. I can never do that. I can never meet my soulmate. I can never achieve yeah. financial success. Ah, I'm just going to give up my dreams. So, you know, where is that? I know what you mean. I know, yeah. No, it's very tricky because people would get pulled into very dark places. 
Yes. But what I'm suggesting, like in the in the idea of drowning in the river, don't fight the river. Mm. I say, whoa, this is getting dark. I feel like I'm giving up. But keep awareness. I feel like I'm giving up. As I'm saying that, I'm not giving up. I'm realizing I feel like I'm giving up. And so all the things that we were told we couldn't do, like have depression, have anxiety, we're having it all over the place. Mm -hmm. So it's really so. All right, let me go back to the mythology. So in mythology, they say everything begins with creation. Creation makes the order of the world. Um, but as soon as there's order, there dis there's disorder, just like with the Native American story. Here's the first people. They're on Earth. It's cool. You know, there's no industrialization. The white people haven't taken over. It's like real. Just the people are there with the Earth and their own dreams. And then people get sick. Wherever there's order, there's disorder. Now we have to accept disorder. And so part of the disorder is, I don't think I can handle this. Part yeah, of the disorder yeah. is, I want to give up. We'll give up a little bit, you know, but don't give up altogether. Mm. People have to trust there's meaning in the world. There's meaning in the soul. Yeah. And, and most of the people, you know, there's the old story of a guy that was, you know, he found a, a ladder against the wall and he's climbing that ladder. He's going to get to the top. He's going to be the guy at the top. And he gets all the way to the top and he realized it's leaning against the wrong wall. The idea of being successful, the idea of being, it's all cool. Give it a try. But it's not what we came here to do. It's not what we came here to do. What did we come here to do? To become ourselves become a genuine version of ourselves. Because when we are truly ourselves, we are, first of all, not overwhelmed easily. Second of all, we're not isolated before we, because we can feel connected to the soul. The soul's connected to nature. It's connected to the world. We don't, we're not the individual all alone in the, in the confusing universe. We're actually connected. And then each person in their soul is gifted. And the gifts are distinct to the person. You know, I think I've told you the story before. I started telling a story because I was about to get killed. Story, storytelling wasn't like, an, you know, a hobby. It saved my life. And so, so people find these gifts inside themselves and, then, and they didn't even know it was there. And, and so then, then we have something uh, that we're connected to. We have more of a sense of meaning and we have something to give because that's the other thing that's going on. If you take the modern culture, which has a lot of narcissism and self-involvement, watch that stuff's going to be over. You, you, you can't be as self-involved. Well, you can be, but you shouldn't be. Right now, we need each other and we need the best version of each other. Um, and then it turns out we can survive darkness. We can survive loss. Yeah. That's how I think. And, and we become wounded healers. We're, we're supposed to learn how to help heal. I mean, the earth needs our attention, too. It's, it's a dramatic time, and it's very different than the way we were educated. How, does, um, how do we decipher or discern light and dark? Let me explain that question, because... It, there's so much division in our world now that seems to have been exposed. That America seems so divided, right, in yeah. the last year. Democrat, Republican, left, right, you know, vaccination, non-vaccination, such division. 
COVID, no COVID. And, and so sometimes what we thought was the light turns out to be the dark. What we thought was the dark, maybe it's the light, you know? Yeah. People saying, well, don't, you know, the, 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 the you can't mandate uh, taking vaccinations and that's, that's darkness to force me to take a vaccination. That's the, the, the forces of darkness. And the other side saying, no, you're not taking vaccination. You're the darkness. And so, and so what is, I guess I'm trying to ask, like, how do we discern what is actually the, the, the pathway, the, the, the light and the dark? When there's such division, when one side feels it's the light, another side feels it's the light, one side feels the other's the dark, and no one's talking yeah. to anybody, and here we are, conflict. Yes, a couple of things. The, one of the old definitions of the soul is the light found inside darkness. That's a definition of the soul from ancient times. But the other thing to say is the purpose of polarization Ah. is creation, not division. So the problem is that, and I'm, I'm just going very directly to the root of it, a real polarization, an honest polarization, creates a third thing that neither side was thinking of. Mm. The purpose of uh, opposites is creation. For instance, you go back to nature, um, or go back to mythology. In the beginning, there was nothing. Everything was dark. And then the creator, whatever story you want to go into, somebody <laughs> lifts the sky up and separates the earth from the sky. And that allows the light to come in. And that's the beginning. So there's your opposites in, in, in mythology. And then uh, so the dynamic of opposites, which penetrates all of life, right? Left side, right side. The heart has the left side and the right side, up and down, dark and light, male and female, yes and no. Like you said, all of those divisions are intensified. That's a characteristic of, of apocalypse. But the purpose of apocalypse is not to divide and destroy. It's to is to collapse in order to regenerate. So the problem with the polarization, two problems. One is people blame the other side instead of trying to understand it. Uh, and that stops the whole creative process. But the other thing is people don't know how to do it honestly. Uh, left, right politics, it's so confusing, it's not honest. People should stay say where they're really at. Um, and because if you hold, a, a real tension, which now everybody has to do inside themselves. All the tensions, everybody's carrying them. It's not just in Washington, D.C., it's in everybody. Mm. And the, but the point of all opposition is creation. And so we're going to be forced in this very difficult way, not of our choosing, to learn how to deal with opposing energies, not to simply accommodate but to find creative third things. So I call it the creative middle. And I was talking about the rites of passage. And the first part is separation. The second part, now you're in the trouble. You're in the ordeal, which is the, also the opposites. And eventually comes the unity. But you have to deal with the opposites and the tension. And the middle is the most creative part. 
It's in the middle where it's most confusing and most creative. And, and again, it's not what we were taught. It's not what we were taught. Um, and you're raising really important things and I'm giving kind of brief answers because yeah. it's big stuff. Yeah. But to understand that the world is made out of polar polarities. Um, and so if you take, you know, and you can take any of those polarities and, and see that when you put them together, you get something different. You know, when, when day and night uh, are meeting, you get that dark gray space that's dawn or dusk. That's the place of imagination. It's a place of transition. It's the place where you, you want this music. You know, some people want a cocktail uh, or just be coming out of the sleep and, and the darkness. And you have the dream to bring as the dawn comes and, and a, a delivery system called dreams gives you a message from, from the darkness that you bring into the light. We're being pulled into those dusky, shady, confusing, mixed middle places. And that's where creativity occurs. Talk about unity. I'm just curious in your uh, vision, what does the unity look like as, let's say, as a culture, as a, as a yeah. society? Um, what is a unified society, a healthy society, yeah. a whole society? Uh, give us a reference for that, because I don't know if we really have a reference yeah. for that. We don't. What, what would that look like as, as, as a yeah. society, you know, relationally? Yeah. It's a really important question yeah. because if the polarization and the opposition is aimed at create creativity, it must be unified creativity. Mm. And, and so what does that look like? And so, uh, so for, just to get the background, the, the root word is communitas. The Latin word is communitas. And whereas some people think community means mm, connected to the people that live near you, communitas means brought together by something so deep that it unites everyone. So you sometimes see tragedy will pull people together. Sometimes nowadays tragedy divides people, but mostly tragedy would bring people together because community, communitas is connected to depth of soul, depth of soul. Uh, and so you're right that it's a very rare experience. Almost everybody experiences separation. People have ordeals. They don't get the unity at the end. So I'll give you a strange example. We, we had a project for years where we're working with uh, people in prison. And then we were working with people when they come out of prison. And we were doing this conference once. It was a retreat. And it was uh, probably 100 people there. And people of different races, different backgrounds, different economic status, really diverse. And we're being honest. That's the rule. You can only speak if you speak honestly. And after a few days, people can tell what's real and what's not. And so if someone's not real, they're going to get shut down, not by the leaders, but by the whole group. Right. And, in the, and I'm laying out my ideas about rite of passage, you know, and, and a guy raised his hand and he says, look, it, um, I'm coming out of prison. I did 15 years. He said, and, uh, and so uh, what happened was on the day that I got my sentence, that was the best day of my life. And everybody's wow. going, what? And he said, yeah. He said, I was wearing a suit. And uh, my family was behind me hmm. for the first time. He said, and everybody in the jury is looking at me and the judge in his robes is looking at me too. He said, I was the best day of my life. He said, <laughs> so I told the truth. I said, I did the crime, I'll do the time. 
He said, so then I got sent to prison and I did my time and I did good time. He said, when I got out, that was the hard time, the hardest time I've ever done. Because when I got out, my family wasn't there. The jury wasn't there. The judge wasn't there. There was no one there to say, yes, you did your time. Welcome back. You're now part of the community. He said, when I got out, I, I was nobody, nowhere. And the only people that would take me back were the drug dealers that got me into trouble to begin with. The hardest time I ever did was after doing time. I mean, the guy was like a poet of prison, you know. And so then so then he said, and, and so what do I do now? Hmm. And so then, you know, I said, well, now we're going to welcome you home. Everybody here, we're going to welcome, welcome you home if you will allow that. I said, and to begin, we're all going to sing to you because we had learned these songs. So everybody sang to him as he stood there and he began to weep, you know, because he could feel it. It was a real thing. And then spontaneously, people in the group began to give him gifts, things of their own, valuable things they gave to him. And we did this like several hour welcome home ritual. After which he said, that's now the best day of my life. And but it was also one of the best days we had, because mm -hmm. in welcoming him, we welcomed parts of ourselves. We all felt more welcome and we all felt more human. And if you had come into that group and try to divide it into opposites, good luck, because even though we were very different, we all had found communitas and we found our souls and we found the connection of our souls through a man who had gone to prison. So to me, that's community. That's communitas. But it's rare in the modern world. It's rare. Because people have been playing the division so much mm. rather than seeking what the division is aimed at. So that's why I call it recreation. We're going to have, we have a bunch of creating to do. We're going to have to create ways to be together. You know, everybody who survives COVID should be welcomed back. Yeah. Everybody who lost a loved one, there should be a, a funeral that not just online, a funeral, you know, that people attend. Um, we have to reinvent the rituals of humanity, how people come back together. And that's the purpose, uh, I think, of the division is not to divide us, but to wake us up to the lack of unity. Symptoms have knowledge in them. Mm -hmm. The knowledge of hatred is mean people forgot how to love. The people that hate don't love themselves. How could they be so hateful if they loved themselves? If they even knew themselves, they'd stop hating. Yes. You yes. know, so we're now going to be educated the hard way. Yeah. For the How person that, that I, I, think, I think this lack of community, and especially in the last year, the isolation that people yeah. have gone through. And um, I was speaking to someone the other day, and she was saying to me, like she wasn't even sure that, her life mattered to anyone. And for that person who is maybe wondering, listening to this conversation, yeah. and, and they're struggling, they're wondering, does my life matter to anyone? Um, and they're really questioning. I would love to hear what, what you could say to that person who's, yeah. they, 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 you know, they're in that inner turmoil. Maybe they're depressed. Maybe they're not sure that they're, they're just, does my life matter to anyone? Yeah. No, I, I really sympathize. I empathize also because during uh, COVID, I went, went right into a retreat. I've been in solitary confinement. I went right back into solitary, except, <laughs> except I had the door. The door wasn't locked. I could come and go, but I couldn't go anywhere, really. Mm. Um, and, and I had that same feeling partway through. 
was, wait a minute, is this purpose to anything? And does anyone even care what happens to me? I'm spending so much time by myself. Right. But, it, but in my case, it reminded me of being in solitary. And then mm. I remembered that when I was all by myself is when I found myself. And there's a real difference between being alone and loneliness. Being alone means you're not completely isolated. I'll go back to the old idea, a connection to one's own soul. The soul is connected. Like I go outside and I found the trees were more uh, recognizing of me than the people that were absent. So I, I had a new relationship with trees, some owls, moved in onto the property that I have. And I, I wound up hanging out with owls. And so, uh, and, and they seemed like, you know, you're not supposed <laughs> to see owls in the daytime. So they must've had some interest in what I was doing. <laughs> so, I mean, I, I don't want to in any way diminish that pain. That yes. pain is real and we were not prepared for it. Mm. But it's interesting when you study rites of passage in tribal cultures um, and, and you were mentioning a woman. And so, um, one of the most common rituals in Africa uh, for girls to become women involves complete isolation. Uh, the young, the girl or young woman is put in a hollow tree. Now, to them, tree means grandmother. Uh, and so the tree is like the womb of the young person to become an adult. They go back into the womb, but not mother tree, mother tree, not mother person. And um, and while they're inside the womb, uh, people come and feed them. The women come and feed them because they can't move in there. And so they're like a, a fetus again. Um, and the way they understand it is that in order to become an adult, a person has to move from the lap of their mother to the lap of the great mother. And the great mother is nature and the cosmos. And so, uh, so they acted out. So in that case, every grown woman would have been by herself completely inside this womb-like tree and would have had that experience been nurtured through it by other women. And when they come out, they're celebrated by the whole community. And so to say to a woman like that, you're going to have to be alone. She goes, okay, I get it. <laughs> I get it. I'll go back in the womb. And then they would also, cause I've, I've spent time with them and learned from them and they expect the coming home is going to happen too. So they have the whole experience. They had the separation, they had the isolation, and then they got welcomed home. We are uninitiated as a culture. So we have separation and we have ordeal and we never get welcomed home. Mm -hmm. and, uh, and not to the way that gets all the way to our soul. And so that's why we feel isolation as more terrifying and more defeating um, because we're experiencing it without the ritual context. So I, I'm not explaining the whole thing. And, and yeah. I want to say sorrow is a real thing. And the only thing is there's nothing wrong with it. To feel scared, to feel sorrowful, to feel despair. If we understand that the emotions come to us and they move through us, then we don't have to identify it with it. Mm. I am not that depression or despair. I'm the person having it. And if it came to me, then I could let it go too. Uh, but not to diminish it. We're all being tested. Yeah. We're all being tested. That's the middle of the rite of passage. 
the test. Is, can, can you can you clarify a bit more what the coming home looks like? The yeah. coming home rituals look like if we don't really have a culture for that. Like, no. Give us some guidance on what okay. this is what it would look like to, to create more yeah. of that in our lives. Yeah. I don't know what it would look like in the modern world exactly. But but in, in the case of the man coming out of prison, mm. everyone coming out of prison, there should be a welcoming community uh, that blesses, that sings to, that mm. brings healing. Most people in prison, you don't get good health care. They come out unhealthy. Wow. But we used to we used to work with this. We had doctors volunteer. So when someone comes out, they get a medical examination, they get medical help, you know. So anyway, there's that. But um, so I'll go back to the woman in the tree. And so in, in the tribe that where the young women go into the tree, the young guys have a different experience. Uh, involves trees, too, but they don't go inside. Mm-hmm. So anyway, when she comes out, um, the women have the rest of the women have made for her a, a, a girdle. They call it a girdle. It's uh, made out of uh, cowrie shells, mm. shells from the sea. And so they put that on her. And then she comes before the entire village, the whole community. Uh, she was a girl. Now she's a woman. And, uh, and, she's, and the whole community sings to her. And there's a whole feast that happens because now the girl has become a woman. And they understand. They say to her, we know that the future of the tribe is inside you. Because women are going to give birth to the future. And so each young woman in that tribal process would have been welcomed by everybody. And often you get a new name at that time. And so you are like a new person born from the isolation inside the tree. And so that's how that one went. How it would go for us, um, I think we can borrow from those old ideas. I think there's ritual memory in the bones of people. Once you start doing healing rituals, you start to remember how it works. And uh, so, mm, I mean, I'm just thinking of things that we've done. I borrowed from rituals. And so someone comes back from an ordeal. First of all, people have to know songs. And I don't mean popular songs. I mean, people have to know chants because the old chants have power in them. They have magic in them. They change the brain chemistry. And so we always have a lot of songs. And so, and songs are like reassuring to the body as well as the mind. Uh, songs penetrate, you know, like, uh, so, and especially to have a whole group of people singing to you. You are the focus of the whole group. And, 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 it, and it's not based on, you didn't prove anything. You just are something. And, and so that's, first of all, is songs. And then the other thing is um, gifts, giving a gift um, it can be a very small thing, but giving a gift says that you are a gift. It also says you are gifted. Um, that's the message inside it. And so when someone has been sick, you can welcome them back just by gathering people. You have to have a song of some kind. Nowadays, you can borrow from other uh, traditions and you can uh, smudge them with sage, the smoke of the sage plant, which clarify, cleans and it washes off anything they might be carrying that's still disturbing, wash that off, sing to them, and then give them a gift, and then you have a, a ritual meal, a communion, communion, which is part of communitas, and people sit down and they eat together with the idea that we are celebrating the life of this person, 
But the strange thing is, as you sing to someone about their beauty, about their life, you feel an increase of the beauty in your own life. Welcoming, yeah. the people doing the welcoming feel more welcome, just like the person being welcomed. I hope that makes sense. I had a birthday once with, and it was with African friends. And I was astounded what they did. I mean, first of all, they were singing, but while they were singing, it was amazing to me. Uh, people one at a time came and bent down and some of them kissed my feet. Wow. Others just touched my feet. And at first wow. I was like uh, shocked and like, <laughs> wow, I was embarrassed, but also I was, wait, what are you doing? And, and it wasn't what we think in the modern world. What they were doing what was so honoring, just mm. wanting to honor the presence of someone. And they had so little um, prideful ego of their own, yes. they could bow to you. Wow. And, you find this, and then you find the same thing in India, where yeah. people will bow to the spirit inside the person. Yes. So we can borrow parts of that and make each other feel welcome. And since it's not going to get, all these troubles are not going to be solved soon, we might as well learn how to make unity out of division. I think I know uh, what my next birthday is going to look like. All right. Good. <laughs> <laughs> Sounds good. Uh, I, I, like, what do you think of the, the, the children now, Michael? Uh, going through, you know, I was thinking of this, there's some kids, they're growing up now in a completely different reality. Yeah. Can't travel, social distancing, stuff that you and we didn't grow up with that. I didn't grow up with that. And oh. so not going to school, okay, maybe now going back to school, but you have yeah. to social distance, you have to wear masks in school. I mean, it, it, it's like totally different reality and yeah. so how do we navigate raising our young children how does a parent uh healthily educate nourish their kids so that because there's so much that a child learns from interacting connection touch yeah. socialization that yeah. for at least a year year and a half many kids haven't had and yeah. and so i think I would assume there's a lot that can get lost in that process. So what do we do with our children to make sure that uh, they can get that or, or, or what's missing can be repaired? Another really profound question. So just to back up, one reason I think we're in a collective rite of passage, it includes everybody, including the children. The children are separated and disoriented. Um, so it's affecting everyone. It's, it's as if we have to learn how to do this. So I want to add a psychological factor, which and, and the parents have a very difficult time because the parents are usually just trying to figure out how to get the kids to school and get them back home and then hope that they get good grades. Well, now you don't even know if you should send them or not um, and so on. So one of the problems, I think, I imagine for children is the greater the insecurity and uncertainty of the parents and the adults around them, the harder time they're going to have. Right. Kids are very adaptable. The first response to masks that I have seen and heard regarding children is, oh, that's fun. Can I have one with ducks on it? Uh, they can get into it. Masking is one of the oldest rituals in the world. Kids are flexible. They can play that game. Uh, if everybody's saying, 
it's okay. We're doing this for now. And here you have one here. All right. You want bluebirds. All right. Well, you know, you can have this mask. Masks are the one of the oldest form of, of art. And so kids can get in it and they can play with that. Um, the school situation is very complicated. People are going to have to reimagine education. So here's part of the problem of the collective rite of passage and part of the problem of apocalypse. It's not about minor repair. It's about reimagining the whole thing. The problem with the modern world is not just that it's divided, is that, that it doesn't know what wholeness is. And so the kids, unfortunately, and the young people, it's even more problematic for young people because um, they can't, young people have to, and children have to absorb the atmosphere of their culture. And right now the atmosphere includes climate crisis. It includes COVID crisis. It includes injustice and bigotry and all the divisions you were naming and the kids are absorbing it. So the adults, the job of the adults is to provide the sense of loving touch and care and some way of saying it's okay. Yes. And my guess is that children, young people have been needing this for a long time, but I think children also, as things are so confusing and disorienting and chaotic, we need to tell the kids, you're beautiful. You are, you are great. You are, you are special, not because you're special and better than others, because you're the only version of you there is. And you have charm and you have, you know, they need to be loved. And in the confusion of all this, they need to be touched, too. I mean, the adults that are isolated should get touched, too. But that's a different issue because of COVID. But so the children need to be touched and held. And adults, if adults are kind of just caught in their own anxieties and all, that's what's being fed to the kids. So I think children tend, especially children, are really flexible. I mean, they don't know what school is when they go to school. You know, when they go, they're trying to, I remember being a kid, you know, we sharpen pencils and we're going to go. I thought we were going to learn everything. You know, they, <laughs> they started to say A, B, C, D. I said, what happened to everything? You know, I had the same experience in high school. I thought it was going to be high learning. It was, actually, it was really kind of a letdown. Anyway, so kids can play. Parents, I'm so sorry. Parents are just destroyed because you have, what do you do? Yes. You, you were counting on that education system. You were counting on the career path. No one knows. They say that a young person now entering the world will have five to seven careers mm. because they know how uncertain it all is. So we are being required to reimagine the whole thing. And I think all the reimagining starts in the depth of the soul. And so sympathizing with the children and, and, and making sure that they feel all right and not burdening them with our struggle to let go of what we thought the world was. Beautiful, beautiful, beautiful. I love that. Final question. Um, you know, Michael, you've shared so much today. It's uh, really, really heartwarming and inspiring. Um, I want you to leave us with some hope and possibility of, of when you look at the future, like, what, what are you excited about? What, what excites you? What inspires you when you look out and envision and sense and feel like, okay, we're in this moment of apocalypticness, but give us some hope. What, what, what's exciting for you? 
truly you know no not just like theoretically like like truly what's exciting <laughs> so i call it the second level of hope the first level of hope is naive uh, everybody wants to be the most beautiful the smartest the most athletic whatever and it turns out most people are not that so the first hopes are supposed to be lost then then you go into isolation you know concern disorientation and then the second level of hope is deep in the soul and it's it's really the imagination the imagination is the deepest power of humanity and nothing exists except it's first imagined so then i were you asking me personally what i see yes no? well, okay. what, yeah what, what, what do you see what, what really excites you that, that you can share with us to give us hope yeah so all the things that i think are the healing things that are needed are all things of beauty and art and purpose i mean what excites <laughs> me so i love music and i actually know a lot of musicians and and I'll I hang out with musicians and every once in a while I'll say do you know that music is the healing path and they say what 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 are you talking about and I said music is the healing path everybody has known that since the beginning of time music isn't being played so you could have a hit record if that happens maybe it's cool for some people it turns out not to be cool but anyway the point isn't to be a hit the point is to be on the healing path um and so I have uh, strangely some excitement about all of the healing that becomes possible as people realize we can't go back and we can't fix it simply. In other words, the when the trouble gets to be real trouble, that's when things change and I get excited excited about healing. I get excited about um all the ways of healing because I think we're being invited to learn more ways of healing healing community healing individually and the word healing means to make it whole that's what the word means to make it whole so i get excited about that i i i use the term i think of us now as we're the wounded healers and now we're supposed to figure out how to heal ourselves heal each other and heal the earth too mm-hmm. and uh and even though it's sad it's come to that it's also kind of an opportunity for beauty and for for making making creating healing wow michael just want to thank you so much truly truly you're an inspiration to me and many uh, folks i told you this was going to be a, a very special part 2 to the michael mead podcast episode on soul talk uh maybe next next year we'll have a part 3 uh michael what's the best way people can find out about you and your work uh, best website and and all of that good stuff. So the best website is mosaicvoices.org. mosaicvoices.org. mosaicvoices is one word. And then the other thing is uh the podcast that that we do which is called Living Myth Podcast. And you can find that by googling it or going to the website. And and so, you know, every week I talk this way about something or other, you know, some some theme, one of the recent ones was beyond the hero. you know like i think the hero got us in trouble a little bit what's beyond the hero here's a hint it's the healer but anyway uh so that's the ways to find it and uh, yeah and then there's essays and books and you know stuff yeah. like that. a lot of a lot of uh, folks there's a lot of amazing resources on 
Michael's website, Mosaic Voices, yes? Mosaicvoices.org. Voices.org, yeah. So, 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 so many rich resources there. I really encourage you all to check out his amazing work, his amazing books, just so soul-filled and authentic. He's a truly authentic voice full of wisdom. Michael, thank you so much. Everybody, send me an email, Coop Blackson at coopblackson.com. I would love to know your key takeaways from today's episode. Um, I'd also love for you to download Soul Talk, download the episode, share it with everyone that you know. I think uh, part two especially is important for us to, to help navigate these challenging, turbulent times. Until next week, sending you much love. Love now. If you've enjoyed this episode of Soul Talk, please do share the podcast with all of your friends. Let everyone know and make sure you download Soul Talk today. I'm looking forward to next week where I'll get to share more inspiration with you. Meanwhile, follow me on Facebook, Instagram, or social media. You can find out more about my work at www.coopblackson.com. If you feel ready to take your life to the next level, join me at my exclusive event in Bali, www.boundlessblissbali.com, where you can find out more and apply. Also, make sure to remember to download my free two-part video training series and learn the ultimate secrets to happiness and fulfillment at coopblackson.com. Sending you all big hugs and love now.